This is Tommy Bowman, co-founding pastor of Mission Church and host of the Redefining Church podcast. The mission of this podcast is to guide local churches towards a movement of Jesus. This is Redefining Church. Hey guys, welcome back to the Redefining Church podcast. This is season two. This is episode five. I'm so grateful that you guys are continuing to faithfully show up. I have this vision of a movement of Jesus in and through your local church. And so every bit of content and every episode is aimed at that vision uh, for you and your leadership and for you within your church. We are in somewhat of a series right now where I am talking about movement through the lens of our three values as a church here at Mission Church, gather, grow, and go, and and how we gather, grow, and go for the sake of movement. With movement in mind, last episode, I had Dan Ruda on, and we talked about how overall we gather for movement. Within a church gathering, of course, is the preaching and teaching. We didn't talk about that because today I have on John Peacock to talk about how do you preach and teach through the lens of movement, what goes into it, what do you got to sacrifice? What might you have to do more of with movement in mind? John and I have known each other our whole lives. We got to start this church together. We have the privilege of co-leading it. Now you can find John at at John Peacock with no H on social media. He also has a podcast. Just search the John Peacock podcast. Got three episodes a week. I would encourage you to check it out. I'll also put it in the show notes. Before we get into that conversation, I'm preaching and teaching for a movement. As always, a huge thank you to you guys listening. Continue to please rate, review, subscribe where you listen to podcasts. As of this episode um, and this week, this podcast is now available on Amazon Music. So if you prefer to listen there, go ahead and follow along on Amazon Music. But let's get into this conversation, preaching and teaching for movement. All right, so I am here with John Peacock, um, a guy that we had the privilege of starting mission together. We get to co-lead it now. Mm-hmm. You're a man of many talents. One you just added to the list is male model. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't see yeah, that coming. I didn't. Okay, if you guys are curious, I've been way too serious on this show, so this will be the light moment. Go to just go to Instagram, John Peacock, no H. <laughs> But talk, like, what will they what will they see in your male modeling photos? It's actually pretty cool. So, if you know John, it, uh, not course, the modeling part, but yeah. So, of course, with me, there's always a story involved. And a let's see, probably a year and a half ago, a couple that we both know uh, moved out of state, and they wanted to get me a gift to say, "Hey, thanks for being our pastor," you know, so on and so forth. So they bought me a uh, an outdoor photography. Yes. session yes. with this pro- professional outdoor photographer that would come and hunt alongside me and my dog. I'm like, that's genius because every, when you go hunting, everyone's like, you're hunting. You have yeah. a gun. You're not, you you're not able to, yeah, yeah, you don't have a camera. So you have all these epic- It's hard mo- to shoot birds with a camera. It's tough. Well, and kill them at least. <laughs> that's right. So anyway, so it, it's very hard to capture these epic moments. All that to say, this outdoor photographer has become a very good friend of mine. And he's like part of my crew that now goes duck hunting together. So that's that's turned into something that is is actually quite laughable that I'm doing a little side work for Yeti and Duck Camp Company. And yeah, and seriously, go look at the pictures because they're like amazing. You can see John's dog, Jack. It's 
It's awesome. So just wanted to put that in there just to add credibility oh, a as, lot you, of, as you talk to us today. For, maybe there are some uh, some <laughs> pastors and leaders out there that are into duck hunting and pheasant and, hunting. And modeling. And modeling. Yeah. yeah. And modeling. Who knows? Who knows? All right. So listeners, as you guys know, this podcast is about, it's helping and, and it's guiding you to redefine church for movement. A lot of that comes from having unity and clarity of vision for movement. If you don't have that first, you know, you're just not going to get there. And, and as you've heard it on the show, um, we didn't always have that clarity either. But a lot of you guys listening, your teachers, your preachers, while you lead. And in John's case, the primary way you lead our church, obviously, is every Sunday morning when you get up there and you teach. Yeah. Um, and that's how you guide them. Okay, but the big thing that I want you to talk to our listeners about today, uh, last week, Dan Ruda and I, who Dan's on our team, if you guys haven't heard that, go back. We began the conversation about what does it look like to gather for movement? We didn't talk about this part, the teaching and the preaching, mm. which is a huge part of the gathering. But if you are a church that wants to be redefined and oriented towards a movement of Jesus, which our listeners know that's true of us, Everything really has to be looked at and potentially changed, including and even teaching and preaching. So let's just talk about that. And I'll have a bunch of questions because I'm actually curious too. Like I've never actually asked you this question. When was the shift? How have you done it? And what, like, so just talk to us about what did that even take and what goes into teaching and preaching with movement in mind? Yeah, we'll start there. So I'll, I'll start with, uh, there is a, um, I think I, I'll just kind of go through my process, beginning with uh, a healthy dose of surrender. Uh, the phrase would be, um, I can't, but God, you can. Mm. I can't create movement. Yeah. So there's, a, I think, an appropriate amount of um, like just owning the fact that I, I can't, I can't do that. Um, I, I can't be there on Monday morning, waking someone up mm. saying, all right, let's go. This is about the movement of Jesus. Yeah. And so I can't do that. Um, just like I can't change someone's life, just like I can't open someone's heart to the gospel. So it's very much along those same lines. And I think every every person that's listening or watching right now that whose primary role is around the teaching, preaching side, I think we'd all agree. That's not, yeah. that's above our pay grade. So there's a, I think a part, and I start there because I think it's just really important to always come back to and begin with, God, uh, I am completely dependent on you hmm. to create a spark, to light the fire, um, to lead this person or these people towards movement. God, hmm. I am counting on you. I'm begging you to do that. I want you to do that. Um, and so that's where I begin. And so it's like, I, I can't do this, but, but God can. And then there's also, however, um, I think God saying, so how about we do this together? Mm. And there's this mysterious collaborative work in God's kingdom that I don't fully understand. I don't know why God does it this way, but since the very beginning, he's invited us to to um, be these co-laborers with him, you know, the great co-mission. Yeah. It is a mission not only with others, and that's generally how we think about it, but it's definitely this co-mission with, with God. And we see it back in the very beginning in the garden, um, all the way to the New Testament uh, in the starting of the church. So I think that's just really important that there is a role, however, that we do play in this. And so it's not like, well, 
I can't create movement, yeah. so I'm just gonna. Yeah. So we do begin with surrender, but then I feel like God's like, okay, now uh, let's do this thing together. And so I feel like that portion of it is really important as I think about illustrations, mm. as I think about application, as I think about sermon length. So um, illustrations, applications, sermon length, I think are a few things that go into this when it comes to the collaborative work that we partner with Jesus in, in preaching or teaching towards movement. So um, there are some, um, some illustrations that I think can really give people handles for this. When we're preaching and teaching, most people have a working mental model, not of movement. Mm -hmm. And so we need to give them a picture. You know, a, you know, a picture says a thousand words. And so we need to give them a picture. And, you know, we credit, I credit all the time, J.D. Greer for one of the best pictures, illustrations, when it comes to movement, which is an aircraft carrier, yeah. you know, and I'm sure you've talked about that uh, with your audience. And it's, it's served us so well. Um, I reference it pretty often, actually. Yeah. And so in an, in an illustration, I can help our people understand that um, our dream for your life is that you would be saved, but also sent. And it's not either or, it's both and. Uh, two sides of the cross. The first side of the cross is all around, you have been sought after and Jesus wants to forgive you. He wants to save you. He wants to redeem you. The other side of the cross is like the slingshot. Yeah. He wants to launch you. He wants to send you. So that I think that illustration is really helpful as, uh, as your audience is thinking through what illustrations, because sometimes what we can do is we can create an illustration that reinforces the old paradigm. And, and I think we got we got to be pretty careful with our illustrations. Any any illustration we can come up with that can help paint a picture for yeah. for movement would be good. Okay, one I got a couple questions. Yep. First one is this, um, and if you're listening, you're like aircraft carrier. What's he talking about? Uh, season one, episode like two or three. Uh, you can go back and, and find it, check it out. Yes, like you said, credit to JD Greer. It's a great illustration. One of the things that I can't figure out how you do it is you're looking out, so everyone's process from blank page to stage is probably different, but you all face the same reality, which is you're looking out into a room, or camera in this case, uh, for the last few months, and there's people with like real needs. Like mm. movement and being sent is the farthest thing from their mind because they're sitting in like real pain, divorce, debt, I mean, just whatever we're going through, depression, anxiety. So mm. you gotta speak to that with the truth of the Bible and also though compel them to the scent part. Mm -hmm. Now you don't necessarily have to do that every week, but you do it pretty regularly. Mm. That's gotta be, cause you're looking out at people with tremendous amount of compassion. So you wanna meet that compassion with the spirit working in and through you obviously, but you also don't wanna stop there. You wanna compel them to like something more. So just what goes into that? Yeah, it's, yeah, man. Well, maybe you can't explain it. Yeah, I, I, I think it's probably back to God. I, I can't do this, but you can. So help me. I think certainly is. I don't. I don't think I can lead people unless they feel like I love them. Yeah, that's good. And and I don't know if that's true or not. That's just how I feel about probably, it. Yeah. And I think back to those that have led me the best, or who have inspired me towards more, towards you know perhaps a new paradigm of life. I felt like they knew me even if they didn't. I felt like they cared even if they didn't know my exact situation. So I, I think 
Um, when I look out at the audience, yeah, there's people in major, major pain. Um, and it's hard, but we got to meet them where they're at. And I think at the same time, um, you know, we can't, we can't leave them there either. And there's, 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 you know, a sermon or a series that can be more toward, more geared toward pastoral care, towards really helping, I think, equip our people that are in a place of pain, helping them, you know, build a theology of suffering. Those are really important series. You know, we sometimes make that like a two-part series. Um, So I think we got to be, we have to have a, as pastors, preachers, teachers, I think we need to have a high EQ on this. Like there's certain weeks where it feels, um, yeah, if (laughs) you can't just quickly go to the movement side, if we're talking about like when we did our deal on on grieving, you know, it's yeah. like loss. It's like, all right, now it's time to go out there. And so you, yeah. We Get out there be, and save some souls. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So you gotta be, I think you gotta be, yeah, have some EQ with this. Um, all that to say, Tommy, I, I, I have a core conviction, however, that the best medicine, the best way of um, moving um, in the midst of pain is to move. Yeah, is to good. is to keep going. Now th- that's just my conviction, and so um, if I really love someone, well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna share with them what I think is actually gonna help them, <clears throat> which is to to keep going, which is to uh, join Jesus in the renewal of all things, and just make sure you don't do that alone. And so I think the times where I've worked through pain in my life, and currently working through hard things in my life. It's when I am on the move with Jesus. It's, you know, the whole nursery rhyme I taught our church recently. My and me is not the end of Christianity. That's good. And so when we're in pain, one of the greatest threats is, is self-pity, which you gotta be careful how you say that, you know? Um, so there's ways to nuance that and talk around that. But the times where I've gotten stuck in my pain is where I've gotten into this spin cycle of, of just focusing on myself. And so working through grief, I've done enough counseling and know enough counselors to, I understand the grief cycle. Um, yes, it begins with focusing on us and it needs to, but it can't end there. So I think there's a core conviction. So when I think through you know an illustration, um, man, I, when I think through application and that probably be the second part where I'm like, I gotta give some application here to help everyone, including those that are, hurting right now, yeah. uh, take next steps to join Jesus in the renewal of all things. That's how we keep going. We work through things, not around things. And we gotta do that with others. And so everything around movement, yeah, we're, we don't say yes to this vision of movement by ourselves. Yeah. That's kind of the hero mindset that oftentimes blows up in our face. So that's good, man. Yeah, and, and you guys would have heard last episode where we talked about our vision campaigns and how we do this three weeks in a row, mm. but twice mm. a year we talk about the growth track because yeah. that's the most critical step from someone to go from the gathering to the going is, is growing intentionally. And if you want to preach and teach towards movement, we go to John and he knows this and he's for it, it's in him, but it's like, dude, you got to come up with something for six weeks to where your application, which you're talking about, is the growth track for six weeks in a row. Yeah. Now I know that cannot be easy. Mm. 
And if you're a, a leader, preacher, teacher in your church and you wanna redefine church room and you wanna get people to grow, as I said last episode, you better be compelled enough to talk about something for six weeks, <laughs> okay? And if you're not willing to do that, you're probably not compelled by it. But from a, like, you're sitting down, you gotta write like week one, you're like, I got six weeks, they all gotta land with mm -hmm. me asking people to take a right. step on the growth track right. and really nothing else. No. Like what? That's gotta be hard. It's super hard. You make it look easy, it's gotta be hard. Oh, it's, pain, it's painful. Yeah. It's painful. And I, so anyone watching that's a preacher, teacher, communicator, I wanna encourage you during, number one, I think what Tommy, it's cool you guys talked about the, the vision campaigns. Yeah. So I know 12 weeks out of the year, my team is counting on me to make sure that the application is to register, get registered for the growth check, taking it, you know. So, all right, so that helps me going into the year knowing, all right, I gotta come through for my team, they're counting on me. And I'm a team guy and I'm not gonna let my team down. So that helps me. What also really helps me is I, during those 12 weeks, especially, I'm deciding that I'm gonna trade novelty for consistency. Hmm. And that's a hard trade. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure I'll call myself a creative, but I am very creative, you yeah. know? So, yeah. um, so it is, I love words. I love, yeah, so you know me. So it's like, you know, when I'm just cranking on a sermon during those vision campaigns and I'm just like, so here's the same application mm -hmm. week after week after week. And it feels, um, it, it feels just, it just, it doesn't feel great. Yeah. And what I'm doing in that moment though, I got to come back to a value, especially in those vision campaigns. If I'm trying to teach and preach towards movement, I got to trade in novelty for consistency. Uh, and I need to do an audit of my own life. When have I actually decided to do something? Well, I, it's almost has never been the first time I heard it. Mm -hmm. You know, so look at what you click on, what's yeah. scrolling. I mean, these guys know. So we got to hear it. We got to hear it. And so here's the work though of it is even though we trade in novelty for consistency, that doesn't mean you can't be creative with how you say the same thing. And so, you know, it's like with my wife, Kelly, I've been telling her that I, I love you for 14 years. Well, even longer than that. We, yeah. we said it when we were engaged and when we were dating. So technically 15 years, but I keep it fresh. I, I she would tell you, I'm- now Be careful what you say here. Yeah. <laughs> This is a family-friendly show. But I think, you know, I want her to not just hear those words, I want her to feel those words. Yep. And so sometimes I'm gonna say the same exact phrase, I love you in a thousand different ways. And, and that's the, I think that's the, uh, the journey of the lead communicators uh, of a church is we gotta be consistent. They gotta hear the same thing, but it doesn't mean we can't be creative within that. We yeah. can say it, in a thousand different ways. And that's, I think, some of the grind. Yeah, and if you're, if you're listening, you're like, oh my gosh, six weeks in a row, I'll, I'll just tell you, that's what it takes. It, and it works. We were just looking at numbers this morning. You were asking because yeah. you wanna know, like, how do we do? We just yeah. came out of that six week run. And twice, we've had the growth track for three years. And you guys have heard me say, our goal is to get 50% of our adults on the growth track, right? Numbers aren't everything, but they sure help tell the story of, of how you did when you look back. And you know, when you were asking, and we looked, and the, the two times that we have loaded the growth track in 2020, talking about it six weeks in a row, we hit 55 and 54. Every time before that was like in the 30s and yeah. 40s. So if you wanna do the growth track thing, which you know I'm for, 
and you want to get people on it, you got to talk to people who are incredibly distracted. And by the way, not there every week. You got to talk about it for six weeks in a row. Another thing that you said that reminded me of something I wanted to ask you, the idea of not just saying things, but feeling things. Mm -hmm. You can't fake anything. Most good communicators can't either. Um, That's what gives them their gift is people can just feel the authenticity. For you to talk about, hey, I want you to do this and I want this for your life. And by the way, it pays off. You have to have experienced that. It's good. So talk to me about that. Like you're in a missional community. Like, I don't want to give everything away, but just I want you to talk about like, what have you had to do so that you can get up there and say, hey, I've actually gone where I'm asking you to go and here's the payoff. So you know the shoes Allbirds? Yeah, they're very comfortable. Because you you have a you have a pair, right? I do. Charcoal. Charcoal. Really cool how I built this episode on. Yeah, it is. Uh, love that show. Be cool if I don't know if Guy watches this, but I'm sure Guy Raz. Um he's probably gonna have us on. So do you know how many people I've I've talked to and have told to to buy all birds? Do you want to guess? A, a lot? Zero. Oh, because you because I don't have don't, a pair. You don't own them. I don't own a pair. No, so. I actually want a pair, but and I'll get a pair at some point, but I don't own a pair. And it's just that simple. That's good. Think about what you talk about the most. It's something that you are consuming. It's something that you are participating in. Um, and it's the same thing with movement. There, there's just no chance. And like you said, I, I'm such a feeler. I'm a ENFP. I'm a tired ENFP. So I feel more like an INFP, but... I'm a feeler. I'm a deep feeler. I can't fake anything. I wear all my emotions on my sleeve. So when it comes to you know the application part or the metaphor, uh, I have to be living it myself. Mm. Uh, I, I can't, uh, otherwise I'm not gonna talk about it. I'm not gonna talk about it with conviction. So I think that's so important. Being in a missional community myself, uh, hosting Alpha you know, in my garage in the bear den with my neighbors. Uh, it's just, it, it's different when you hear someone talk about something that that they're living, yeah. And uh, it lands differently; it comes out differently. And I just think that's one of the greatest threats of preachers and teachers in America is their teachers uh, and not evangelists. Hmm. And I'm not talking about necessarily a spiritual gift there, yeah. but more of a spiritual practice. Because yeah. you're not an evangelist yet, nope. you practice evangelism. Yeah. And so some have a gift, but we're all called to practicing things. And so, so many uh, guys and girls that fill pulpits, if you will, um, super introverted, a lot of them, love to study, love to teach, but can't give you the name of any of their neighbors mm-hmm. that they're actively trying to lead to faith. Good, man. And that is one of the biggest issues, I think, in the American church right now. We, when we look at churches and why, you know, there's a new study coming out from uh, Alpha along in partnership with Barner that our friend Craig's doing. He's uh, publishing the book in January on evangelism within America, the American church. It's gonna be a great book. To me, that's one of the reasons is we have so many lead communicators, pastors, preachers that aren't actively practicing evangelism, trying to lead their friends to faith or aren't actively in a missional community with others helping right. others experience the kingdom of God. And so of course, the illustrations aren't that. Of course, the application isn't that because they don't wanna be a fraud. Right. They're not gonna try to say, hey, go uh, go do this great commission thing when they're like, I'm not doing it. So <laughs> I, I think that's it's an true. opportunity um, for everyone listening today 
And I don't say that with um, judgment or shame and that won't help at all. It's, I think, an invitation for those that are currently practicing evangelism and living on mission, that's accountability. Yeah. Like we gotta stay the course even when we don't want to, even when we'd rather just sit at home and do nothing, yeah. we gotta stay the course. I think that's so important. Well, the last thing would be brevity of sermons I think is important. We can get there if you wanna get there. Bob. Yeah, let, let's, let me stay on what you're talking about because yeah. I, I have strong convictions about it too. I definitely believe that every church is drifting or just flat out heading in the direction of the life of the lead communicator because of what you said. Mm. What you live and what you experience is just gonna consistently come out for any lead teacher preacher. And you teach at least 90% of our, of our weekends here. And this is not to pat you and I in the back at all, but we have a dream. You guys all know about the Alpha Course. It's the first step on our growth track. John's done it at least seven times. I've done it probably five times. Mm. We have a dream, it's part of our vision that Alpha is the talk of the town in our neighborhoods. Well, for that to happen, Alpha has to move beyond our building and into backyards and garages. Right. So there's maybe four happening right now for the first time ever, and we're two of them, not because we're the best, but because we know if we want our church to do it, yep. we gotta be convicted first to do it. And so I really, I'm glad you said that because if you, want to orient your church and redefine your church for a movement, like start living it out mm. now or you, you're going to have to fake it really well, which is going to be exhausting. So just start start doing it now. Let's let's get back now to brevity. How, how does that play a part when it comes to uh, teaching, preaching for movement? I think this is just how I think about it is um, I just think a shorter sermon is going to lead towards more more action. I have no way to prove that. It's just what I think. Yeah. And um, there is a huge temptation to preach towards uh, not movement, but to preach towards, um, we try to, we feel, I think every preacher watching this teacher, we feel this tremendous burden to equip saints for you know, service, Ephesians 4. We feel that burden, it's heavy. And so we can easily move towards, well, I've got to cover it all in this one sermon. And so we preach for 40 minutes to 50 minutes to 60 minutes. And the very best at it, what they end up doing, in my opinion, is they create not movement, but it becomes more about the man. And I just, I just want us to really think about it, is the New Testament is the story of the Holy Spirit at work through people. It's not about the man. Any, you know, you just kind of think through some of the, the folks that were leading the early church. And so I, I think for us, I would guard against the length. I would guard against that. Um, in some ways, makes sense why we're tempted to be thorough, but I, I think shorter is better. I think 25 minutes is, is plenty. Uh, I think when, it, when we look at what other videos do we watch ourselves that actually like equip us towards a hobby or something, they're never 45 minutes yeah. long. They're shorter, they're bite-sized. Why? Because you can then actually practice it and come back for more. Yeah. And so I think what we sometimes do is we don't leave people wanting for more. We leave people like they're too full. And yeah. so then they're like, they leave our church so full of content, they can't do anything. You know, you never work out after you eat a steak dinner. And so I, I just would say, let's give them like some real good beef jerky. Yeah. <laughs> and say, like, go do some stuff. and Teriyaki. Come, teriyaki, if you will. 
and then come back next week and, yeah. or, you know, be innovative and do stuff during the week. You know, there's yeah. so many other ways to. Yeah. Let me to, very practical. I like to try to find practical moments, but what we just started doing, you guys heard in the intro, I gave you guys uh, John's podcast and the live at eight on Monday. What he does is if anything hit the cutting room floor and didn't make it to the stage, you can have your people tune in and just sit down with them with a cup of coffee at eight o'clock on a Monday morning and continue the conversation mm -hmm. for things you didn't maybe say on Sunday. So very practically, you can do that. The other thing too, when you're talking, you know, one of your core lies that you believe is that it's all up to you. Yeah. And um, preaching that 45 to 50 minute message is that kind of mindset. And in, in uh, season one, maybe episode two or three, I talked about every pastor's best kept secret is this need and want to be needed. Mm. We're not immune. I'm not immune from it. You're not. But when you go into a, a message and you're like, it is all up to me mm. and I really want them to come back next week and, and keep getting my messages, you're gonna do that thing where you pile it all in. And so I do think it's important for the brevity side. Take that to heart. Um, last question. I've talked to them, I think in episode three about our fall plan in this COVID world mm -hmm. and watch parties and a lot of churches are doing that. And I told them how you are teaching now. I jacked with your whole message timeline and said, hey, can you teach on Thursdays? And I was like, but I think you're gonna free up your weekend a little bit mentally and emotionally. And if you didn't hear that, go back and, and listen to episode three of this season. But that's been huge because you've been doing it one way for like eight or nine years. And mm -hmm. now you're done with your message so that you can preach it on Thursday mornings. I think people in a lot of churches are gonna be in this reality for a while. We're gonna stay in the watch party mode, even post COVID. But in the event, in the event that the guy's like, yeah, maybe I wanna try that, talk to them about what has been maybe difficult, but what's maybe also been the upside to getting your message kind of in the can by Thursday morning and what that's done to your weekend. Yeah, that's just cool. This is a little bonus tip for people. <laughs> yeah, I love it. So let's just assume uh, one of your listeners right now, let's just say, he or she is watching this and it's it's uh, it's 11 a.m. on a Thursday, okay? Yeah. And let's just assume, kind of we're making this up, but let's just assume that at it's 11 a.m., let's just assume at 2 p.m. they're leaving town for an epic weekend vacation. Mm -hmm. A little getaway, right? A little fall getaway, if you will. They know what I'm about to say. <laughs> they will get more done between this moment right now, 11 a.m., and 2 p.m. than perhaps even the previous two days. Yeah. And so there is something magically powerful about these kinds of deadlines. And, um, you know, if you give me a canvas that's the size of that wall, I'll fill it in. If you give me a smaller, it's just, it's just all these principles yeah. in other fields. It just makes sense that um, it's caused me to, um, to focus. It's caused me to say no to a number of things. It's caused me to empower staff more in other areas. Mm. It's, been, it's been hard, yeah. but I never thought in a million years I could be ready at not, not only a content level, but a heart level, because it's mm. both, yeah. to preach Thursday morning at 9 a.m. Because <laughs> you've known for nine years, you know, I never feel ready. I never feel super confident. <laughs> um, I would be up late Saturday night, up at 5 a.m. Sunday morning. I've been doing that for nine years. Mm -hmm. And it's not that I'm not trying the other yeah. days. I am, I'm always trying. I just could never 
And so what ended up happening is I've always worked at least six days a week, yeah. it, mentally at least. You know, and preachers know what I'm talking about. It's the mental work. You're at a, sitting there at the family dinner table, but you're working in your head. Yeah. So this has been such a surprise gift because I have learned that I can actually be ready Thursday morning. Now I will say to, to your listeners, the, so it's been a surprise gift. Wednesday has become my new Saturday from a stress and pressure level. Mm -hmm. Some of your guys may not struggle with it as much as I do, but I really struggle with pressure and you know, I just put so much pressure on myself. I'm trying to work through I'm that. Sure, I'm sure they don't deal no, with that. No, <laughs> right. So, so, Wednesday, so communicating that with my wife has been important. Hmm. Wednesday is usually a 16 hour day. Um, and I struggle to focus. So there's some people may focus a lot better than me. It just takes me a while. Yeah. So, but Tuesday, Wednesday is, I mean, Tuesday, I lock myself in the office. I'm here all day, yeah. long day. Wednesday, long day. But then Thursday morning, I'm ready to go. And, and so we've done this now for uh, seven weeks in a row. And what the payoff has been is Thursday by noon. I'm smiling. I'm already thinking about Thursday at noon. It is like I am free as a, as a bird. I am the weight of the world is off my shoulders. So I get more than a weekend. Cause, so I get the whole second half of Thursday. Yep. And my wife would tell you, I'm just like. Yeah, no, it, you are. Yeah, you're you you're usually whistling when you leave. I here. am. <laughs> I'm so, I wanna hang out. I wanna yeah. do all kinds of stuff. Friday is amazing. Um, so Saturday is amazing. And Sunday morning, I wake up at 6.30. I have a cup of coffee or two or three. I read through my manuscript and I go, I'm good to yeah. go. So it, dude, it's been, so I've gotten this like two and a half days off of mental work. Friday, I'm doing some other kind of work, I'm, uh, building into other lead pastors and, and business owners. But I'm not, I, I don't, my mental work that is so heavy for me yeah. is, is done, man. It's been great. And what I would point out, and a good thing to finish on, is the secondary um, bonus in this is the weekend thing. Like that's the secondary thing. I was like, that'd be really cool if on top of what I'm about to say, you got your weekend back. But the, the motivator behind this was movement. Yeah. The only reason we ever thought about this was because 20 to 25% of our church is meeting and watch parties in yeah. the neighborhoods. That's why we started Mission Church to yeah. unleash the church into the neighborhood. So I know now that the weekend's the bonus thing and I'm happy because it means a lot of good things for you. But want to point out the reason John got there in his heart is because he cares about our vision of a movement yeah. of Jesus. And if he can get that video done very practically, then watch parties and hosts can get it by Friday and they can host their watch party Friday night, Saturday that's morning, right. all stinking weekend. And so I think that's a great way to cap it off. Uh, preaching and teaching for movement. I'm sure I'll have you back. I think it'd be cool to talk about co-leading a church too. Yeah, that, Since, I would love to talk about that. Yeah, that's so been, we'll, we'll definitely do it. Awesome. Uh, so make sure you guys check out uh, John's stuff in the uh, show notes. Like I always say, if this benefited you in any way, if you know a communicator, teacher, preacher, please share this episode with that one uh, pastor, leader. If you work alongside of somebody, maybe you're not the communicator, would you just like shoot this up the pole? Uh, let them listen to this. They'll benefit from it. This is all about redefining church for movement. Until next week, this is Redefining Church. Redefining Church.